Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Thank you for standing by. This is the conference operator. Welcome to the Eldorado Gold Corporation Q1 2021 Financial and Operational Results Conference Call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode, and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then 1 on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and 0. I would now like to turn the conference over to Jeff Willoit, Interim Head of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, Mr. Willoit. Thank you, Carl, and thanks everyone for taking the time to dial into our conference call today. On the line with me are George Burns, President and CEO, Phil Yi, Executive Vice President and CFO, and Brock Gill, Senior Vice President, Projects and Transformation. Brock Gill will present operations today as Joe Dick is joining the call from a location that may experience connectivity issues. He may be available for portions of the question and answer period as technical conditions warrant. Also on the line for questions are Jason Cho, Executive Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer, and Peter Lewis, Vice President Exploration. Our release yesterday details our 2021 first quarter financial and operating results. This should be read in conjunction with our first quarter financial statements and management's discussion and analysis, both of which are available on our website. They've also been filed on CDAR and EDGAR. All dollar figures discussed today are U.S. dollars, unless otherwise stated. We will be speaking to the slides that accompany this webcast. You can download a copy of these slides from our website. Before we begin, I would like to remind you that any projections included in our discussion today are likely to involve risks, which are detailed in our 2020 AIF and in the cautionary note on slide two, titled Forward-Looking Statements. I will now turn the call over to George. Thanks, Jeff, and good day, everyone. Here is the outline for today's call. I'll provide a brief overview of Q1 results and highlights before passing it to Phil to go through the financials. Brock will follow by reviewing operational performance. Then we'll open it up for questions. For those of you who joined us on last year's first quarter earnings call, you will remember a very different tone as we discussed and evaluated the challenges of COVID-19 imposed on our business. While we continue to contemplate the impact of the pandemic has had on all of us, there is also a sense of renewed hope and optimism for the future. On behalf of our management team and board of directors, I again extend my deepest thanks and appreciation to our employees and their families who tirelessly commit and persevere to ensure that Eldorado will emerge from this stronger and a more resilient company. Turning to our results in the quarter, I'm very pleased with our solid start to 2021, 
both operationally and financially. Since we last spoke two months ago, our signed investment agreement governing the further development of Scurries, Olympias, and Stratoni, collectively known as the Cassandra Mines, was submitted and ratified by the Greek Parliament and has officially entered into Greek law through the publication in the Government Gazette. These are key milestones in unlocking the compelling value of our Greek assets. We also reached important milestones at our Canadian operations as QMX shareholders voted overwhelmingly in favor of the transaction with Eldorado that officially closed on April 7th. With the strategic land position now five and a half times bigger, a newly discovered 800,000 ounce gold resource at Ormoc and a host of high potential exploration targets, our Quebec team is now focused on continued growth in this key jurisdiction. I've mentioned our success de-risking milestones in Greece achieved during the first quarter, and I'll spend a moment on timing of future milestones, specifically at the Scurries Gold Copper Project. I'm very pleased with the latest milestone in Greece that we announced just yesterday. We now have approval for the use of dry stack tailings at Scurries. This EIA modification will reduce the environmental footprint of tailings facility by 50% and will create a more efficient, safe, and streamlined operating mine. This was a tremendous piece of work by our teams and regulators and evidences our mutual desire to design scurries with the lowest possible environmental impact. The updated feasibility study for scurries continues to advance towards completion in the third quarter, which will accelerate the process of finalizing the funding and financing for this world-class project. In parallel, we are also getting ready to submit an EIA for the Cassandra Mines, mirroring our development plans outlined in the investment agreement. Following that, we are pursuing a construction decision by year end and we'll look to restart construction in early 2022. With timely completion of the construction in two and a half years, low cost production from scurries represents significant upside to our current five-year production profile. Just a bit more color on dry stack tailings. Eldorado is an industry leader in using this best available technology. We deploy dry stack tailings at the majority of our mines and pioneered the use of it in Turkey and Greece. I am excited to now be able to implement this at Scurries. The bottom left picture here shows the processing facilities at Scurries. At the top, you will see the mill and the thickening ponds in the middle. The tailings filtration plant is a small building circled in yellow. This is a bit misleading as the Scurries filtration plant is one of the largest in the world. It's the size of a soccer field and is shown in more detail on the bottom right. In addition to strengthening our business in Q1, I am pleased to report that Eldorado made significant progress on key sustainability initiatives during the quarter. Notably, we advanced articulation of our new sustainability framework and launched our Global Sustainability Integrated Management System, or SIMS for short. These reflect our commitment to doing business the right way and putting responsible practices at the core of all that we do. 
Our sustainability framework is our foundation for how we approach responsible mining. It articulates four key pillars that are our commitments across environment, social, and governance indicators as detailed on the slide here. In delivering on these, we believe we will continue to be a preferred partner for host communities and countries and have access to capital to be able to grow our business for the benefit of all stakeholders. Also in Q1, we rolled out SIMS that integrates sustainability, responsibility, and accountability across all of Eldorado's core business functions at all levels of the organization. This management system is a set of performance standards by which we will be able to better measure and track our ESG performance. We have integrated other responsible mining frameworks, such as the Mining Association of Canada's Towards Sustainable Mining and the World Gold Council's Responsible Gold Mining Principles into SIMS so that in adhering to our own standards, we are also complying with these leading frameworks. In short, the core objectives of SIMS are regulatory compliance, compliance with voluntary commitments, responsible risk management, and continuous improvement. With that, I'll turn things over to Phil for a review of first quarter financials. Thank you, George. Good day, everyone. Starting with slide eight, solid operational results and revenues in Q1 2021 were consistent with plan and expectations, and production is in line with our 2021 annual guidance. But adjusted earnings per share was lower than expected due to increased taxes resulting from the weakening Turkish lira during the quarter and higher depreciation. Turning to a brief review of the numbers, strong operating results and a realized gold price of $1,723 per ounce in the first quarter led to a 20% increase in adjusted EBITDA to $108 million compared to adjusted EBITDA of $90 million in the first quarter of 2020. The realized gold price reflects negative provisional pricing adjustments related to concentrate sales from the previous quarter. The company reported net earnings to shareholders in Q1 2021 of $8.3 million, or $0.05 cents per share, compared to a net loss of $4.9 million, or $0.03 cents loss per share in the first quarter of 2020. After adjusting for one-time non-recurring items, including a $12 million non-cash loss on foreign exchange translation of deferred tax balances related primarily to the Turkish lira, adjusted net earnings for Q1 2021 increased to $21 million, or $0.12 cents adjusted earnings per share compared to $12.5 million or $0.08 cents adjusted net earnings per share in the same quarter one year ago. As stated earlier, adjusted earnings per share of $0.12 cents per share was lower than expectations due to higher current taxes, a result of the weakening lira, and higher depreciation in the quarter. Tax expense totaled $28.2 million in Q1 2021, compared to $21.4 million in Q1 2020. Approximately $9 million of current tax expense in the quarter related to taxable unrealized foreign exchange gains. These gains were primarily due to the significant weakening of the Turkish lira during the quarter, which went from 7.44 lira to, to the U.S. dollar at the start of the year 
to 8.24 at the end of Q1. This weakening lira increased the value of our US dollar denominated cash in local currency terms, leading to a taxable foreign exchange gain. Another development related, related to tax was a recently announced temporary increase in the corporate tax rate in Turkey, whereby the current effective tax rate of 20% will increase to 25% for 2021, and then decrease to 23% for 2022. The rate is then expected to return to 20% for 2023 onwards. This increase will be retroactive to January 1, 2021, but has not been reflected in our Q1 interim financial results due to the timing of the announcement. The increased tax rate, including the retroactive adjustment for Q1, will be reflected in our Q2 results. Depreciation expense totaled 56.3 million in Q1 2021, compared to 52.4 million in Q1 of 2020. The increase was primarily a result of higher tons mined in a quarter, as compared to Q1 of last year. The lower average grade at Kisadag in the quarter contributed increased depreciation on a per ounce sold basis as compared to Q1 2020. This increase was partially offset by lower depreciation resulting from a change in estimate, whereby a portion of inferred mineral resources are now included in the depreciation calculation commencing at the start of 2021. The impact of this change primarily is at Lamoc and better reflects the pattern in which the future economic benefits of assets are expected to be consumed. I am pleased to report continued increased financial strength and liquidity as shown on slide nine. At quarter end, we had unrestricted cash and cash equivalents and term deposits of 533.8 million. We also had 99.6 million undrawn and available under a revolving credit facility. El Dorado is in a net cash position as at March 31, 2021, and lowered our net leverage ratio to effectively zero, compared to 0.89 times at the end of the first quarter of 2020, reflecting continued reduction of debt. Our Q1 2021 free cash flow totaled 24.6 million, significantly higher than the 7.2 million generated in Q1 2020. Looking to the balance of this year, our free cash flow generation in future quarters will be deployed increasingly towards those capital investments essential to our continued growth. With that, I'll now turn it over to Brock to go through the operational highlights. Thanks, Phil, and good day, everyone. Starting with slide 10, our positive first quarter operating performance set the tone for what I believe will be a strong year for El Dorado. I've been impressed by the pace, energy, and agility of our teams at site. We produced 111,742 ounces of gold in the quarter at cash operating costs of $641 per ounce sold and all-in sustaining costs of $986 per ounce sold. Our cornerstone Kishladak mine deserves special recognition for its strong finish to the quarter, but all of our operations met head-on the continued challenges brought about by the pandemic and its impact on the ongoing global operating environment. Staying with Kishladak, first quarter gold production totaled 46,172 ounces at cash operating costs of $492 per ounce. The team there proactively managed through a minor geotechnical issue in the pit high wall that deferred access to higher planned grades. The resulting lower average grade in the first quarter 
was partially offset by outperformance on tons mined and placed. Mining has since resumed in the affected area and the high wall issue has been resolved. Bench stability at Kisladong is very good. On the processing side, two new CIC trains were successfully brought online during the quarter, which has increased our solution processing capacity going forward from 3,250 to 3,750 cubic meters per hour. The installation of a new carbon column regeneration kiln remains on track for scheduled completion in mid-May, which is expected to drive improved gold recoveries in the circuit. The commissioning of the high-pressure grinding roll circuit remains on track for the third quarter. As you can see from the picture here, the HPGR building has been erected and partially cladded in preparation for equipment delivery, which is on route. The commissioning manager is now on site. We are also progressing well on our multi-year pre-stripping campaign and studies are ongoing to assess the potential for accelerating this work in an effort to bring forward value forward at Kishlada. Over to FM Chukuru, where first quarter gold production totaled 23,298 ounces at cash operating costs of $525 per ounce. The recently installed flotation columns continue to operate well as we also evaluate optimum ranges. This will result in significant improvements in the quality of our gold concentrate. Turning to our Canadian operations, first quarter tons in Great at Lamac came in as expected. First quarter gold production totaled 28,835 ounces at cash operating costs of $759 per ounce. The underground decline between Triangle and the single mill has reached the approximate midway point of total planned distance of 3.3 kilometers. We remain on track to connect the two drives by the end of this year. Completion of the decline is expected to reduce operating costs as surface haulage costs are eliminated and the current ramp up underground route is replaced with straight line haulage to the Sigma mill. At Ormoc, early results of infill drilling on this 800,000 ounce maiden gold reserve have been positive. Preliminary mine planning studies are underway to assess the initial scope of this resource within the Lamac operation. Once completed, the underground decline will enable the team to drift over to the deposit and gain additional information to integrate this promising new discovery in future mine plans. Over to Greece. At Olympias, first quarter gold production totaled 13,437 ounces at cash operating costs of $1,145 per ounce. We recently initiated leadership training surrounding our overall Greek transformation plans. This is a wide-ranging, sustained effort that touches every part of our business in Greece, from employee education and training to physical plant and business systems upgrades. As Scurius continues to advance, we will ensure that it does so while adopting best practices and a culture of success before the first shovels are in the ground. Implementing this scale of change at an existing operation like Olympias is challenging, but the long-term benefits in productivity, efficiency, and safety will result in a stronger operation with greatly enhanced economic opportunities. Touching briefly on our two key growth projects in Greece, the project management contract for Scurius has been awarded and pre-construction work is proceeding, including structural cladding for the mill, as well as continued preservation activities. Completion of the feasibility study is expected late in the third quarter. At Parama Hill, an updated 43-101 study remains on schedule for completion this year. We also continue to see great exploration potential in the Thrace region, supporting opportunities for growth in and around Parama Hill. 
With that, I will turn it back to George for closing remarks. Thanks, Brock. Whether it's de-risking the Greek assets, exciting capital investments underway at Kislada, or optimizing our high potential Canadian operations, El Dorado remains well positioned for success. Our balance sheet continues to emerge as a major strength, which will enable us to maximize this potential and surface value for our shareholders and our stakeholders where we operate. Thank you, everyone. I will now turn it over to the operator for questions. Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. We'll pause for a moment as callers join the queue. The first question comes from Cosmos Chu from CIBC. Please go ahead. Great. Uh, thanks, George, Phil, and Brock. Um, you know, just maybe a, a few questions for me here. Uh, first off, uh, can we have a, maybe a discussion on, on taxes, hopefully without giving everyone a, a huge headache here? Um, but, Phil, you know, as you said, um, earnings were lower than, than the numbers on the street, uh, just given taxes and also depreciation. But on taxes, you know, I calculate that taxes were about 71% of earnings uh, in the quarter, which is really high. Even if I back out some of the one-time items, it's still 41%. I guess, you know, given the continuing volatility in the Turkish lira, could you give us a bit more guidance in terms of, you know, how we should model and look at, uh, you know, taxes for the remainder of 2021? Sure, thanks, Cosmos. Hi, good morning. Um, yeah, good question. I mean, the the taxes, um, you know, the the effective tax rate you outlined, you know, is, is accurate, but that includes cash and non-cash uh, types of adjustments. So if you look at the, you know, the the current tax rate, it, it it's about thirty point six percent, and that, um, you know, that includes, you know, the like in Turkey, that includes the the corporate uh, tax, uh, which for Q1 was at 20%. The, the retroactive portion of that, you know, reflecting the increase to 25, has not been uh, booked yet because of the timing of the announcement. So that'll that'll be picked up in Q2. Um, the other part of the taxes in Turkey is tied to uh, a foreign exchange tax, mm-hmm. and it reflects, you know, it, it's a quarter to quarter adjustment. So when the Turkish lira weakens. Uh, compared to the U.S. dollar, uh, the, you know there's an additional tax uh, that's imposed. When the Turkish lira strengthens versus U.S. dollar, that tax is then credited back. So, you know, in Q1 there was a significant weakening, weakening of the Turkish lira, uh, higher than eight, uh, and that resulted in, in, in the higher tax. And you know that was unique to, to Q1. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in Q2. You know the forecast for the Turkish lira is for the you know there's still um, I think concerns with with some of the economic policies and and actions uh, that are being taken with the with with the Turkish central bank and uh, the forecast is still for the lira to remain around eight mm-hmm. for the for the time being um, 
So even if it drops to eight, there would be a there would be a slight credit back in Q2. If it drops below eight, you know the credit would be higher. So that's kind of a, a fluctuating impact. Um, you know, and again, it, it's dependent on on uh, on what's happening in Turkey. The other part of the tax, um, the current tax, is really the Quebec mining duties, mm-hmm. and that's just the provincial provincial uh, mining duties. The the federal tax piece is offset by lost carry forwards in 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 uh, in Quebec. So the the largest component is is Turkey, um, and you know, like I said, the the one factor that that we know for sure is that the corporate tax rate is going from 20 to 25 percent. That'll be reflecting mm-hmm. Q2, and the foreign exchange will will depend on the fluctuation of the lira. Okay, great, thanks, Phil. I'm not sure if my uh, Q2 tax estimate will be any more accurate, uh, but we'll give it a try. Um, maybe switching gears to uh, Greece. Um, you know, first off, congratulations on getting the uh, investment agreement ratified. And also, you know, getting the dry stack tailings approved. And uh, on that, um, George, you know, and team, as you mentioned, you're now working on a, an updated technical report. Uh, clearly, the last technical report was completed in March 2018. And, you know, some of the input costs have increased, uh, steel prices and, and other prices as well. Um, not sure how much you can share with us at this point in time. Um, but, you know, could you give us a bit more uh, color in terms of, you know, potential changes and how we should look at CapEx of this project um, on a go-forward basis? It's George. I'll, I'll maybe take a kick at it and, Hi, and uh, Joe could jump in. So, I mean, thanks for the congratulations. It, it was fantastic uh, first quarter for us getting the agreement hammered out. Uh, that agreement's sort of a state-of-the-art agreement that, puts protections in place for El Dorado, but also for the government. It was a mutually beneficial agreement, and, and in spite of COVID, we were able to, able to hammer that out over the, the last year plus. And then it was great news yesterday to get the permit approved for Scurry's Dry Stack. That's a massive improvement in, in a benefit to everybody and, and a tribute to our company's commitment to, to ESG. On the technical report, that is the next major milestone for us. and. I'll just give you a general characterization. So you got to recognize that that Scurries is half built. Um, The main infrastructure for the plant is in place. So the grinding section, foundations, flotation cells, most of the tanks, um, there is a lot already on the ground. Obviously, there's still a lot to be done. Our our remaining capital at 700 million US dollars. When you look at that though, you know, we've got the dry stack filter plant to, to purchase and construct. Um, we've got the primary crusher to construct. So in terms of the dry stack facilities, we've got to procure the equipment and in, in the, the building and, and steel for that. So there will be some escalation on the costs associated with that over the last couple of years. But predominantly, the rest of the things we need in the plant are on the ground. So, you know, there's a lot of things to be done. we got the the starter dam that, that will, and basically it's a rock dam that will ensure the dry stack filter tailings have a, in perpetuity um, control for any kind of erosion. We've got the open pit pre-stripped, so we're ready to, to deliver ore to the plant once, once everything else is ready. 
But there's a lot of work to do in the underground. Um, right now, the decline is at the top of the underground section of the ore body, but there's a lot of lateral development, uh, vertical development, test doping in order to have the underground ready for commercial production. So, yeah, I mean, there, there obviously is going to be some escalation on some of the materials we, we have yet to procure. Uh, we think we're in a really good position to really push productivity and efficiencies on construction. Um, and in the end, I'm not expecting any material change in estimate. It's really about getting, giving, giving us the assurance and putting us in the best position possible to negotiate the financing terms uh, that, that we need in order to get the construction started. So, you know, stay tuned. We're, you know, we're all going to have the answers to this as we get that study completed in Q3, and we'll be in a lot better position to finalize financing. Great. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, seem, it, it seems like ages ago now, but I remember being on site, you know, three or four years ago now, and, and yes, you're right, a lot of the infrastructure was already in place at Escurius. Uh, and maybe just a quick follow-up and my last question here. Uh, as you said, uh, financing, you know, you gave us some goalposts uh, during the um, prepared remarks. You talked about feasibility study coming out, you know, in Q3 or updated technical reporting Q3 and then, you know, potentially starting, um, you know, construction or continuing construction, um, you know, earlier on in 2022. So in between, you know, should we expect um, you know, you kind of bring in a financing partner, you know, you've talked about uh, potentially a joint venture partnership in the past. Do you need that in place before starting construction? Is that sort of, you know, the timeline that we should be looking at? Well, I'll just answer at a high level and let me let Jason jump in to provide some additional comments. So, yes, I mean, our, our strategy for the year is to get the, the technical study completed in Q3 and that, that kind of positions us best to be able to finalize the, the financing. You know, joint venture is one of the primary things we continue to be focused on for a, a multitude of reasons. Uh, one is to provide capital. Two is to, to bring another important voice to the investment. Uh, as these are multi-decade high-quality assets that you know over time will have uh, many governments come and go. So there's a lot of factors that will be used in, in our decision-making. Maybe I'll, I'll let Jason jump in here with a few comments. Yeah, thanks, George. Uh, so, so Cosmos, you know, consistent Hi, with Jason. George, uh, as already said, um, you know, timing with respect to the, the updated uh, feasibility study uh, and the updated EIA are kind of critical pieces to ensure that we land on, on more optimal terms with respect to, to funding. Um, and, you know, as, you, as you've seen from the budgets, there is um, capital being allocated um, to, to early stage works, and I would suggest that we probably would continue to do that. But as it relates to making material commitments without a funding partner, without funding properly in place, that probably is, is not likely to happen. So, you know, the idea is to progress through the balance of this year, and, and, and as George has mentioned, is try to land on something later this year or early next. Great. Um, thanks a lot. Those are all the questions I have and uh, have a have a good weekend thanks cosmos the next question comes from carrie smith from haywood securities please go ahead thanks operator george what is the timing for the updated eia for for cassandra i guess for the whole cassandra operation and uh, does that does that sorry does that need to be 
does that EIA need to be approved before you could start construction at Scurries, or is Scurries covered off under the existing EIA with the amendment for the dry stack tails? Hi, Carrie. Thanks for those questions. So, I mean, the the, the amended EIA that we're actively working on uh, with government is, is primarily for Olympias and Stratoni. Um, so we have what we need to be able to proceed with Scurries from a permitting perspective. Um, but for Olympias, as you know, our plan is to continue to ramp up infrastructure and, and development in the underground mine to be able to support higher production rates. And that's, that, that is really going to, you know, make Olympias, uh, you know, a solid asset for us by ramping up the underground production. Um, our fixed costs remain fixed and our variable costs will drop dramatically and that will provide some significant margin. So productivity and efficiency improvements are, are a key, but so is getting this permit submitted and approved that will enable us to increase throughput and, and value. And so th that's a key part of this new permit. A second piece, as you know, we produce concentrates and we ship those concentrates and, and our current methodology is pretty high cost. By doing some additional upgrades to the Stratoni port, we accomplish a couple of things. One, we can ship more of the concentrate out in bulk. That improves safety issues related to, to concentrate movement. Um, we'll be putting environmental improvements into these upgrades and modernizing the Stratoni facility. And we'll be lowering our operating costs by having lower cost uh, transport. So. Um, I mean, to answer your question, it's a work in progress. We're expecting to be able to file that permit later this year. Um, and because it, unlike the Scurries modification, where it was purely environmental benefits, there was, in, there was absolutely no additional environmental risk. It was reducing footprinting, increasing water recycle, all very positive things. In the case of expanding Olympias, we're obviously moving more tons out of the underground more tons through the plant, more tailings to be dewatered and dry stacked. And all that has to be properly engineered and assessed from an environmental impact perspective. And again, we're using best available technologies for this, but we gotta go through the regulatory procedures and approvals. So expect to file later this year, expect to have an approval sometime next year. Um, there's really no urgency on Olympias because, you know, if, as you see in our five-year guidance that, that contemplates this expansion of Olympias, it's kind of a steady ramp up over time. And so we've got the existing capacity for the early stage ramp up. We simply need this permit to be able to deliver the, the overall five-year plan. And then obviously the sooner the better on Stratoni, the, the quicker we can lower our margins on concentrate handling and shipment the better, but you know, we're working our way through that regulatory process. And I think you can see from what we've accomplished in the last two years, we've got a very supportive government that's looking to do the right things as we are, protect the environment, create jobs and wealth for everybody. And so, you know, we're feeling pretty optimistic about this and we'll keep you updated. Okay, great, thanks for that. And then just secondly on Parama, if you if you get the 43101 out in Q2, is is that report required for the the EIA submission, or is can the EIA be submitted before that comes out? Well, I mean the the 43101 is is simply just up 
updating all of our technical information and keeping the, the ourselves in the market appraised of that opportunity. You know, in terms of progressing parameters, there's, there's still a lot to be done. We've got we've got the strategic EIA to be completed. Um, when that's pulled together, then there'll be a lot of stakeholder engagement with the communities um, and, and with government. And so, you know, there's a lot of work to be done to ensure everybody understands the benefits, the environmental protection that's being embedded in this updated study. And, and then, you know, to get the acceptance of the communities and the government through permitting to, to be able to proceed. So, I mean, all in all, there's a lot to be done over this year and next to, to, to get Param in a position to be our, our next construction uh, opportunity. And, and we'll keep you updated as that unfolds. So what would the rough timing be then, George, to file this, the strategic EIA, and then secondly, to get it approved? Do you have a sense for that? I mean, I just, I, at this, it's early enough stage. I just tell you we expect to submit this year, um, and I would expect to see an approval next year. Okay. Okay, yeah, that, that's helpful. And um, maybe just a question for Phil on this Turkish tax increase going from 20 to 25% and then their intention to ratchet it back to 20% by 2023. How likely is that to happen? I mean, I've never seen, you know, you rare, well, you very rarely see a government raise taxes and then lower them. Obviously it can happen, but are you fairly confident that that would be the case? Yeah. Hi, Carrie. Good morning. Yeah, the the um, the tax increase um, was was announced on April 16th, so that's like two weeks ago. Um, a fairly recent development, and it's it's really you know, and the tax increase is is, is affecting everybody. It's not unique to the mining sector, um, and I think it's you know it's viewed as uh, the government's you know, response to some of the, the current economic challenges that are, that are, that are being faced in country. Um, so I, I suspect at this point that, you know, since they put it out and it's been official, that is the general plan, you know, to raise it to 25 and then slowly reduce it over the next, uh, in the next couple of years. And I think it's, it's really going to depend on how successful they see that, you know, in terms of mitigating their current economic challenges. Uh, so, you know, whether whether it'll change or not, carry remains to be seen. But that's what's been that's what's been enacted and and uh, and communicated to you know to everybody to to the market. So, I, you know, I, I suspect that at this point, that's what they're comfortable with. Right. Okay. Okay. And then oh, yeah. just one last. I might just jump in there for a second. So, I mean, it, it, obviously, it's impossible for us to know and predict what what the government will do. I mean, I think they're giving us their their intentions, and for now, we're you know we're, we're assuming that's the case. But just to give you an example, we we had that uh, in in Greece, we had taxes at 24, increased to 29, and then reduced back to 24. So, it does happen. I mean, uh, I think overall, long term trend in government taxes typically go up, not down, but we have seen that. Right, okay. Now, just one last question on the operations for Kishadag. 
the, the Q1 grade was lower, and uh, from Brock's comments, it sounds like that was due to a wall failure, which limited access to a higher grade portion. Um, your guidance for the year, I think, is 0.77 grams overall, and you were 0.69 grams in Q1. Is the grade going to still going to average 0.77 for the, or pardon me, point? Uh, um, 0.77 for the year, or will you think you'll be less than that because of this issue in Q1? Yeah, I mean, we're expecting grade for the year to be uh, as expected. It's just from a sequencing perspective, Q1 was was uh, expected to be stronger. As you said, we had a minor uh, high wall failure from a safety perspective. It limited access on, on the ramp going into the bottom. Once that stabilized and was cleaned up we're, we're back in the bottom now and and so it's just a shifting of of grade in the year the, the one thing i'd point to from a positive perspective carrie is if you look at q1 the throughput was up pretty significantly and and that counteracted and and helped um, with the lower grade in terms of our internal quarterly expectations but from my perspective that's an opportunity that we'll continue to focus on if we could you know, if we can maintain an increase in throughput, well, well that's going to create more ounces and, and that's going to shorten the mine life slightly, but create more value. So, you know, we're, we're looking at continuous improvement everywhere. The team there was successful at uh, having a really solid quarter on throughput. And, you know, we're not changing our guidance on this. I'm just pointing out, you know, that that was a, a great result for the quarter and it's something we're going to try to repeat. And, if we're successful on that, you know, that could be some upside at Kisadag on the year in the future. Right. Okay. Okay, that's great. That's helpful. Thank you very much. The next question comes from Mike Parkin from National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, congrats on the development at Scurries. That's encouraging to see. What parama? I just wanted to confirm that is Parama got the same it's included under the same EIA that the Cassandra mines is or is it separate no it's a it's a separate asset um, and we're working on a, a separate EIA um, to support that project okay and does the March 2018 fees for scurries does that include the economic benefits of what you're proposing to do at the Stratoni port in terms of transportation costs, or is that an upside scenario that we would be seeing with this updated fees coming in Q3? Joe or Brock, you can jump in there. As of um, 2018, um, the port changes were slightly less than we're anticipating now. So um, there should be or, or is potentially some uh, upside in this um, this technical report. Okay. Uh, all my other questions were uh, answered, so thanks very much, guys. Thanks, Mike. The next question comes from Tanya Jackson-Konick from Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Great. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, congrats again on getting that tailings permit for scories. That's uh, good news. Um, if I could ask, a lot of my questions have been asked already, but I'm too outstanding. Maybe just for Phil, I mean, we were off on our de depreciation forecast for the quarter. 
Can you just provide us some guidance on what to expect for this year? Uh, hi, Tanya. Sure. So, uh, you know, our depreciation, um, particularly at, at Lamoc, um, was tracking higher on a per ounce basis than some of our other um, assets. So, you know, uh, we, we've, we've introduced a, a change in estimate. And given that Lamoc is a, a relatively new mine and it's growing, um, so we've, we've added um, a portion of the inferred. So that's gonna that's gonna reduce um, the depreciation charge going forward, especially for Lamoc. Um, and I think that's probably you know the one the one key item. I, I think maybe the other maybe point is that our depreciation is based on on mines ton or sorry tons mined. Um, and I I. Think some models perhaps maybe maybe basing depreciation on on ounces on ounces produced, and you know we did see a bit of a skew this quarter in Q1 at at Kisadag because the you know the tonnage the tonnage mine went up, um, and the higher tons and the lower grade led to the higher depreciation per ounce in Q1. So those are I think two factors that need to be considered in in um, aligning, you know, depreciation models going forward. Um, okay, I, I was just kind of thinking maybe from a bigger picture, like if something like, you know, you know, 150 to 200 million, would we be in the bar ballpark there? Um, I just trying to find the number that's in our in our budget. Um, don't have that handy at this point in terms of total dollar amounts, uh, but we are tracking. I think we are tracking, uh, you know, consistent with, you know, based on those adjustments. Okay. Perhaps um, I can get back to you with the numbers. Yeah, maybe that would be. Thank you. And maybe just, um, you know, just on, on the technical side, just trying to understand, because, you know, you w work in various jurisdictions in the world, um, what sort of inflationary pressures are you seeing, if any, through your cost structure, besides fuel, which we appreciate, and, and steel? Are you seeing anything in labor? Are you seeing anything in cyanide, tires, freight? You know, just what are you seeing? Yeah, I we're not seeing anything abnormal, and I think that's uh, well been a bit of a surprise with all the, the COVID issues. But um, you know, the, we're obviously seeing inflationary impacts in Turkey with the, the U.S. To, to lira ratio. But you know, on the other hand, although the inflation's up in the country, the exchange rate counteracts that, and we've seen that you know over the 20 years we've been in Turkey. Other inflationary periods have come, and the FX kind of washes it out. So, you know, I, although it's been a horrible, tough year on the on the planet, um, we haven't seen any unusual moves in inflationary wise so far. Even in your labor, George. Well, like I said, in, in our labor, you know, we we have as inflation goes up in Turkey, in in our our labor costs get ratcheted up with that. But because of the the effects, then that generally gets washed out. So again, yeah, we're, 
wages go up with inflation each year, but there's nothing um, uh, nothing abnormal happening in terms of labor inflation either. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for the color. I look forward to that notification yeah. number. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes the question and answer session and today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.